You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. And welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello. And today's guest I'm really excited about because she's talking about the topic of imposter syndrome, which is something that everyone struggles with. Her name is Ali Rizikos. She's an imposter syndrome coach who helps high-achieving tech leaders leverage their imposter syndrome as their superpower. Before quitting her corporate job in 2021 to run her own coaching business, she was in sales for over 15 years, spending eight of which at Salesforce. That experience, coupled with her own personal journey battling imposter syndrome, has allowed her to help others with building confidence, eliminating self doubt, decreasing the need to overwork and overthink, seeking constant validation, and creating success on their own terms. So Ali, thank you so much for coming on. This is a hot topic. Everyone needs to battle and deal with, myself included. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Myself included too sometimes. I'm like, oh oh my God, it's back. (laughs) Like just in moments, you know, there's like moments where I'm like, oh, here it is again, you know? Yeah. You never quite get over the hurdle, like completely. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not like Joe Dispenza yet, you know? Like we haven't mastered our minds completely, (laughs) right? But we're on the path. So how did you even get into becoming an imposter syndrome coach? Like how did you go from being a corporate baddie, as they say, right? Mastering sales and being at Salesforce and doing all that and then saying like, YOLO, I'm going to do my own thing and then quitting in 2021 and now doing this full time. That's scary as fuck, honestly. But also like there's probably a story. Something has happened between the lines to have you change your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's not as glamorous of a story, actually, because honestly, the story is about how for eight years, I've basically had this dream and was too scared and too afraid to actually make it come true. Okay, the funnier story is, so basically eight years ago, I was at Salesforce, and in my first role, I was like thriving, number one rep, all the validation in the world. My ego was just like, I'm the best, right? And then I got promoted, and I was not. I was like bottom of the dashboard. Everything's a dashboard and performance-driven metrics, right? So bottom of the dashboard, everyone sees how bad you are, like confirmation every day about how bad you are. So like it just breeds self-doubt and like hating yourself, right? I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know how to get better. My manager wasn't really helping me. Like he was changing roles. So he wasn't really checked into it. Not to blame him. It was my fault. So I took it upon myself to be like, okay, well, if I'm not getting the support internally, then I need to find another way to fix this because like my brain was going worst case scenario. Like I'm going to be a failure. I'm never going to be successful. (laughs) Like homeless on the streets, right? That kind of crap. So I found a coach, not knowing that I needed a coach, not knowing what a coach was. Just someone referred me to like a friend of theirs who was a coach. And I was like, I'll do anything. In meeting her, I like immediately knew that I needed to hire her because like in the corporate world, I was super young at the time, but I'm sure your your listeners will agree that like it's kind of scary to talk about like feeling not confident and having a bunch of self-doubt about yourself. Like, you know, there's so much posturing in the corporate world that like you have to have it all together and like you can't ever like be failing, right? So I didn't feel comfortable like being vulnerable like at work and with my manager. And I needed that person that was like not gonna judge me, just like allow me to be like a mess if I needed to be a mess and just like support me through clearly the blockages that were happening in my own mind, right? So I hired her because I just felt so like seen and not judged and just like knew I needed that kind of relationship in my life. And by working with a coach and really getting clear on what were the blockages, like what were the limiting beliefs that were keeping me stuck and keeping me believing that I wasn't going to be successful, really helping me develop more trust in myself and belief in myself because it really all stems from that. 
I ended up going from like the worst rep to literally the number one rep on the team. And I was like, coaching is like the best thing that's ever been invented. I don't know why everyone doesn't have a coach. I loved this experience. I really, truly like need to be a coach. And I had always been very enticed and like very obsessed with psychology, like my whole life. So I was like, this is perfect because I didn't want to go back to school to be an actual like therapist, right? That was eight years ago though. And I was like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to become a coach. I'm going to travel the world, right? So like a year after that, I did quit Salesforce and I, I like literally handed in my resignation letter and I'm like, I'm out. I told everyone, like everyone knew I was leaving and I literally never left. Obviously, like leaders were trying to keep me to stay. And like, I just kept showing up for six more years. I just kept showing up (laughs) and like never left. And then finally, obviously I left in 2020, which was the hardest thing to do because your environment and your community is so important, right? Like who you hang around with is who you become. And that environment was keeping me stuck, right? Was keeping me in this place that I didn't want to be in this life that I didn't want to have, right? Like when I looked at the people like ahead of me in title and tenure and whatnot, I was like, there's no chance I want to do that. Like I have no aspiration to be those people. So what am I doing here? I'm on like a fast track to somewhere I don't want to be. So what am I doing? But I just like, I couldn't leave the community. Like the comfort and the safety was like so overwhelming, you know? But finally I got the courage because I was just like, if I don't leave now, I don't know when I will. Like, this, like this can't keep happening, right? So that's kind of the funnier story is I, I did try to leave and then <laughs> I never did. And then finally I was like, okay, I have to get the hell out of here. Just like leave this environment to know that I will survive. Because like your subconscious starts going and you're like, you're going to die. You're going to die if you leave. No one will ever love you again. You will be alone. You know, like that's what my subconscious was telling me. And then you start believing it and then you never leave, right? So that's kind of the pre-story, I guess, of how it all happened. But I feel like that's so... For people who are listening, they probably are experiencing the same thing that you did. Like, it's so nice to stay where you are because A, there's no guarantee that on the other side it's going to work out and that you're going to actually going to like it. But then the other thing too is that because your whole life and your whole identity is wrapped up in your work, even stepping away from that and having to have the whole conversation of like, who the fuck am I is fucking disastrous. Honestly, it's terrifying more so than the money conversation, more so than the credit score and the like checking the boxes up on paper. If you have to actually make decisions for yourself and figure out who you are, you're like, holy fuck, who am I? I don't know. I'm a shell. (laughs) Yeah. Well, exactly. And I think a lot of people like blame it on the financial stability thing. They're like, well, you know, I don't know if I'll be financially stable, which I get it. That is a thing. But I think it's what you said. I think it's more about like, I don't know who the fuck I am. And I don't know how the fuck to make a life without someone telling me what to do. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like, well, you know, I have clients that like want to get healthy, but can't figure out how to do it. But yet like they show up to work every day and they're super accountable to work and they're super accountable to all these projects. And it's like, why? Right? Because like the world validates you in that way because the world pays you to do that. Like there's like this structure of like accountability in the work world left to your own devices some of us don't really have the practice to not make a ton of bad decisions and like not really know who we are and thus not know how to make decisions, right? Because if you don't know who you are and like what your value system is and what motivates you, like decision-making becomes impossible. You don't know how to make a decision and then you make one and then you don't trust the decision. And even if it was a good decision, you didn't trust it. So of course it doesn't unfold the way you want it to, right? So man, I get it. Like I, that's, I mean, that's why I do what I do. Like it's so hard. You get so stuck and it's like, I just wrote a post about it the other day. It's like the three enemies that we have inside of us is doubt, fear, and lack of clarity. 
And the three of those just fucking go on a loop in your mind, right? Because if you're doubting yourself, then you're creating fear in your body. And if you're in fear, then you have no clarity, right? So then you just keep going back to doubt and fear. But let's say you lack the clarity. Well, if you lack clarity, then you're going to doubt what you want to do moving forward. And you're going to have fear, right? It's just like wherever you start on those three enemies, they will just wrap themselves around each other, right? And then thus you're stuck. Yeah. So how do you even get out of that then? Like, let's break it down even like granularly, like what is actually imposter syndrome and like, what are the symptoms of imposter syndrome? Like, is it just those three pieces or there's more to it? Well, yeah. I mean, so like the clinical definition, if you will, is having incessant negative thoughts about yourself despite evidence of success. So no matter how successful you are or how productive you are, you still don't feel enough, right? So it really kind of comes down to this crux of like not feeling enough, which at its core is like a state of being and a state of belief, right? And so if your belief system and your thoughts are about not being enough, well, then your whole world is going to convert that for you. Then you stay stuck in the loop, right? That is like at the core of like what imposter syndrome is. Now, there is like other very valid times where people feel imposter syndrome. For example, you get a new job, you've never done that job before, and you're like, I have no idea how, what I'm doing. So you're feeling a bit unsure of yourself and a bit of lack of confidence. Yeah, that's like totally normal. Like, no, if you went into the job being like, I'm the fucking shit, I know what I'm doing, you'd be a psychopath because <laughs> that's like, that's just arrogance, right? Like you actually don't know what you're doing. And it, it's around the judgment about not knowing what you're doing. No one expects you to know what you're doing. You're new at the job. The fact that you're judging yourself for not knowing what you're doing, that's the type of thought pattern that is like kind of the crux of imposter syndrome, right? So this like need to be perfect immediately, never giving yourself like grace or time or space to just like be and fail and learn. It's like this constant need because the talk track in your head is like, you're not good enough. Any evidence it can find of not being good enough is like the worst thing in the world, right? Your brain's like fight or flight, like on survival mode, right? That's kind of like the crux of it. But how I view it personally is that if you're feeling kind of persistent imposter syndrome, so not just like, oh, you have a new job and you don't know what you're doing. And so you feel a little bit of lack of confidence, but like just you actually are great at your job and you can't stop thinking about how you need to do better and more validation and need to prove yourself. You know, you wake up at 3 a.m. and the thoughts start going and you can't sleep, right? Like these kind of like irrational thoughts where it's like, dude, you're the number one rep or the best manager or whatever it is, like what's going on? Like that's where it gets into like real kind of imposter syndrome, if you will. And to me, I think it's a blessing because if you're feeling that way and you're caught in that kind of irrational thought pattern loop, it means that you need to take a pause and you need to do some of the inner work and some of the inner excavation to figure out who you actually are. As you mentioned, right? Like, who am I? What's my identity? The work I do is really based on identity work, right? It's like for you to become anything different than who you currently are, which most of us want to be the best versions of ourselves or like some future version of us that's better, right? The only way that that happens is if you currently know who you are and how you got here. Like, what are all the thought patterns that got you here? What are all the beliefs that got you here? What are the stories that got you here? And how do you recognize them and politely let them go? You know, like, how do you leave that stuff in the past versus letting it control you and be who you will stay to be because the stories and those thoughts and beliefs are controlling who you are today? So to me, imposter syndrome is like that wake-up call to be like, okay, 
I got some work to do, you know, like I need to like really check in with myself, get more attuned to myself because imposter syndrome is also the ultimate sign that you're using the external world as your kind of map and your guidepost and your compass, right? Like the external world is dictating your internal world. So if I don't get validation, I feel shitty inside. That is your number one alarm that you need to pause and do your inner work because you are going to have a very hard life if the outer world is dictating your inner world. Yeah. The hard thing with that, I feel like all of society is built on external validation. Like again, going back to ticking the boxes off, like having the apartment, the relationship, maybe the dog or pet or whatever, like the house, again, credit score, the career, like the money. Whereas I see a shift where people are actually starting to talk more about like, peace, pleasure, joy, like these things that are actually important, those are coming to the forefront. And that's why there's like this power shift, if you will, between people who are like, I'm not doing that work anymore because my self-care and mental health is more important. But that doesn't make it easier when you have like the old system in place that's still saying, oh, well, if you didn't get this many likes or you didn't get, you didn't hit this salary bracket this year, then you're not a piece of shit, but like you're unworthy. And that's not true, but that's just how society paints the picture. Yeah, well, because we revere celebrities and we revere people with lots of money and we revere people that have lots of awards. The whole value system that we live in is just perpetuating this. But you have to kind of take a step back and be like, hmm, why would this value system be created? You know, like, what is it keeping us all doing, right? Like following orders literally comes down to that. Literally comes down to that, you know, and I can't wait for 100 years from now for like, the movies to come out about our society and how ridiculous we are, right? Like like the Black Mirror then of like us now, right? I don't know if you watch Black Mirror, but like you watch some of that and you're like, it's not so far off, you know? <laughs> I know, it's not this so far off. This isn't a crazy reality. It's Who's alarming. to say this reality isn't fucking crazy? You know, the one that we live in. But we've just like been conditioned to think that it's normal. It is crazy, but we've been conditioned to think it's normal. And we're conditioned, like anyone that's conditioned is conditioned for a reason, right? It's control. It's order. So the more you can check in with yourself and be like, I am not going to be conditioned. I'm not going to be controlled. I'm not going to let the outer world dictate my inner world. That's why the Joe Dispenses of the world and all these people that talk about kind of quantum physics is like, that's when you become limitless, because you get out of the fucking matrix and out of the, that rat race that, you know, we're built to stay in. And you realize, oh my God, I can have an idea and create it. And it can literally serve the world. It can help you. It can, you know, bring value to people's lives because I had an idea. Can you get into that a little bit? Like just creating in general. Like I feel like people don't realize, most people don't realize, especially if you're in the system. Like once you leave, I feel like the light bulb goes off. But if you're still in that system, you can't kind of see outside of it. But the fact of the matter is that you can create literally whatever the fuck you want. Like literally down to fucking the T. Well, like think about the microphone. This was created by someone's thought. Someone had a thought to be like, you know, it'd be great. Something that would amplify a voice, right? Like it was just someone's thought and then they figured out how to create it, right? So, I mean, that's like the perfect example. But I I totally agree. Like what I got really good at in the corporate world, because I think this is the purpose of the corporate world was got really good at executing and being a producer, being a doer. And there was no creativity. That was like my biggest lacking of meaning and fulfillment for me is that I didn't create anything. I was just like repeating, rinse and repeat. And we literally used those words. It was like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And we thought that was like (laughs) a great saying, right? And you're like, oh my God, like, it's like what brainwashing, but... (laughs) 
you are a doer, right? And like that is like only like one small part of your brain, right? To be just a doer and an executor. It's like a very kind of Neanderthal type of part of our brain. But our brain has evolved. We are here humans on this earth because we have higher functioning brains and higher resource brains. So a really cool example, like in real life, is a friend of mine that I made in Costa Rica. I met her on my second day there and she had just moved to Costa Rica like a week before from Vancouver. And she was just like, I sold all my shit. And I now live in Costa Rica. I'm like, where do you live? She's like, I don't know. I am going to figure it out. Crazy and amazing and inspiring. But when I met her, she was like, I really want to create a women's retreat, you know, a retreat for women to like help them like shed their past selves and step into these new identities. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You'll do that. And she was like, really? I'm like, yeah, obviously. What is stopping you from making that a reality? And she was like, you know, and then all the fears come in, right? Well, you know, do I know how to do that? Will people buy it? Like, well, right. But I kind of was like by her side being a cheerleader and being a supporter throughout. And six months later, I went back to Costa Rica to attend this women's retreat that she created and orchestrated so beautifully. And it was like this amazing moment of like, she had an idea and I was there when she had the idea, you know? And through obviously just action and belief and dedication and just every day taking steps to make this idea into something tangible, nine women showed up to Costa Rica for this retreat, this week-long retreat in the jungle. So much growth, so much transformation, so many hard things that we did. And it was just like, incredible to see that like, wow, this was an idea. And now these nine women, first of all, like we're all bonded. All of their lives have like shifted and changed in some kind of way. We all have this experience, this memory, this thing that's going to live in all of us for the rest of our lives. And it started from this one woman's, like an idea in her mind. So that's kind of, I guess, the crux of, you know, what you asked about is like ideas create everything, right? And being a creator is what makes us feel alive which is why the corporate world doesn't make you always feel alive because you're just executing. And like executing feels nice, right? Checking the boxes, getting shit done. Cool. There's a shelf life though. Like you can't just be executing for the rest of your life. Like some part of you needs to use your creative engine and not everyone has to create a business or whatever, but like use your creativity for I don't know, painting or like building something for your backyard, like whatever it is, like your brain is designed for that. It will not be fulfilled if you don't have creation in your life. What's your take on creation? Well, I was just going to say, I love how you, like you separated creation from not just the career world. Cause right. Some people they're still, maybe they have responsibilities and things like that. They can't just leave the job just yet. But if they want to start dabbling in the idea of creation, using like those things that maybe in childhood you found as like really exciting or fun or whatever, as a means to start getting that creative juices flowing. Because I don't know about you, but when I left the corporate world, it took me about three months to actually turn my creative switch back on. Like I was so burned out and dead in a condition to a certain way of being that it took me a while to actually even start thinking in a different way. And now at this point, I mean, literally, I just bought a paint by number this week. Like I go on daily walks. Like I do anything and everything that resembles a creative person who I want to become or the version of myself when I was younger, whether it's like acting and singing and like, and it sounds ridiculous. And maybe in some cases it is, but again, you're fulfilling that creative wanting or expression, which then helps you create other things in business and in money and just creative solutions in general. 
Exactly. Yeah. I went to a class the other day in Costa Rica and for like 10 minutes, a part of the class was doing cartwheels. And I was like, oh my God, this is the most fun ever. Cause like I have so many memories of my childhood self doing cartwheels and like trying to do handstands. Oh my God. And like absolute freedom in that moment. And you know, those 10 minutes of like doing cartwheels and just trying. And like, I have no thoughts about anything other than just being in nature, moving my body and like just total peace of mind, total mental freedom in that moment. And that's the whole point is like when you're tapping into that creativity and when you're tapping into that childlike place that we all still have, that's been, you know, shut down by the conditioning, that's where freedom is, right? Like that's where your peace, the peace in your mind comes from, right? But we've just like taken the whole like being an adult a bit too seriously, in my opinion. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous, honestly. Like it's funny because as I can, I'm only a year into my business, but I'm a year and a half like being a quitter. And it's funny because as my journey evolves, like I'm becoming more childish, but not like in an immature way, but just in my daily activities. Like for those who can't see, like I literally have pigtails in right now. Like I'm wearing bright pink sweatshirt. Like this is shit I would never do in corporate. And now I'm like, fuck it. Like let's, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. From the women's retreat, like literally the mantra that we took away, we did, you know, like plant medicine trips and stuff like that, right? Really brought us back to our childlike place. And what came from that was like, why are we so serious? Like, why are we taking ourselves so fucking seriously? Like, life's not that serious. Just have way more fun than you are. Stop being so serious. And like literally... Since then, like with all of my clients, I'm like, why are you being so serious? <laughs> like this, just laugh, like laugh more. Like, honestly, it's not that fucking serious that like you're not getting the promotion that you wanted. Like zoom out, man. Zoom out. Doesn't matter. Who cares? Just like go have some fun. Go do some play, you know? Okay. But here's, okay. As I say that though, here's something that I think is really interesting that I wanted to see if this happens with you is like, obviously, like, I'm sure a lot of people talk to you about like, how did you do it? How did you quit? La, 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 right. I often talk about like, you know, quitting because I wanted to just like do things that made me feel better. I didn't want to keep doing things that made me feel like shit. Like, I just don't think that life is meant for that. Right. But whenever I say that, it's like, oh, like I do things that make me feel good. Right. People in the corporate world get so like squirrely about that. They're like, what do you mean? Because if I just did things that feel good, like I would get complacent and lazy and never achieve anything ever again. And I'm like, oh, wow. That's an interesting well, perspective you have. <laughs> Number one, they're probably really fucking annoyed and like it's a trigger for them because they mm. realize how unfulfilled and how unhappy they are with their day-to-day -day lives. But number two- It's like, how dare you feel good? <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's every time I get haters or shit from people on the internet, it's 100% because they're triggered by whatever the fuck I'm doing, a thousand percent. But the other thing that's interesting is that- again, corporate doesn't, they don't stress the need to put these things in the forefront. It's always secondary. Work is always first. So if you don't know that that's a possibility that you can, like literally yesterday or not yesterday, two days ago, I spent the entire day like laying in my bed because I had a headache and I just felt like being on my phone and reading my Kindle. And I was like, fuck it. And you know what? Yesterday I had the most productive day and it was great. I probably did more 
because I let myself rest and play and do my paint by number and go on a six mile walk and do all these things as opposed to me sitting down at a computer and pushing things out that I don't give a fuck about. Like drudging through it. Yeah, that's not fun. And like, because you turned on the creator switch, you can execute things more effectively, be more creative in the way of finding solutions, like connecting with people, making money, like... So to me also, when you think about like quantum physics, like even time doesn't matter. Time doesn't exist to me anymore, honestly. Yeah, like these like fucking races that we're all in, like, oh, I'm wasting time and I need, and I'm like, what fucking race are you in? You know what I mean? (laughs) There is no time. Like there's no race and there's no time, you know? Yeah. Well, and yeah, being a creator too, like as opposed to being a doer, although there are restraints on doing as well, but you can't just be like, okay, just go be creative now. Go, do it. Like, you can't just like on command be like, hey, now I'm going to be creative. Like, oh, no, no, no. It's a weaning process. <laughs> it's a process. You got to tune in. Like, you got to get out in nature. Like, there's so much more that goes into, well, there's so much more honoring of yourself that you need to do in order to step into that creative space. Whereas like, like you just said, like you took the day and you're like, fuck it. I'm not doing anything. I'm not creating. I'm not doing, I'm not doing shit today. Like I just need to rest. I just need to be with myself. I need to tune in. Whereas like if you had a corporate job, well, you would have just shown up, done emails, calls, blah, 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 like all this doing, right? Right. Just like drink an extra cup of coffee and hope you don't fucking die that day or twitch right. to death. Like fucking like my, when my hand starts shaking and like your eye is like half open, like no, <laughs> no thanks. Totally. But like you can kind of sludge through it when you're a doer. You know, like you're kind of like, okay, just like bang out the emails, bang out the calls, like do it. But like, you can't sludge through creativity. Like you just can't. So like, that's like another thing that I think is hard for people to think about is like, they just know how to like do hard things all the time versus like creativity is not a hard thing. Creativity is like the absence of all that hardness and really stepping into like what ease looks like and like what space looks like, right? Which seems super hard too. Soft living. Yeah. It's so a skill that you're not taught in the corporate world, at least like in my experience of being in sales. Like sales is a very kind of uncreative space. It's very much a rinse and repeat. There's some creativity, but more so rinse and repeat. I'm wondering like how, okay, we talk about creativity and all this stuff and that's great, but like how do you even figure out like where to start with finding who you are and even overcoming the imposter syndrome to even try something new. Because even for myself, I am a naturally super fucking creative person. I've always been that way. But even me, it was super fucking intimidating to just buy the paint by number and then fucking starting it. Like to actually even start dabbling is intimidating because A, you don't know if you're going to like it. B, you don't know if it's going to be worth your time. C, like you don't know if you're going to be good at it. Like there's like this laundry list of reasons to not do it and then you don't end up doing it. So how do you just say like, fuck it, like we're going to do it? Yeah, well, I think- a couple of things. So for that specific thing of like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. I think there's like baby steps, right? So it's like, like, let's say that paint by numbers was like a huge investment, for example, which I don't think it is. It's pretty cheap, right? So that actually probably is the baby step. But, you know, what is like the thing that you think you really want that has all this fear and like your nervous system is getting way too fucking hyper <laughs> thinking about it? Let's reel it back. Like what's like one little baby step that you can try first, right? Because that's the thing. It's like, we are controlled by our nervous system. And if we do not know how to regulate it, then we will be controlled by it, right? So when we have these like really super aggressive reactions to doing a scary thing, that is because our nervous system is like, we, I can't handle this right now. Like I am not regulated, like absolutely stop. And so it floods you with fear so that you don't do it because actually your nervous system can't handle it because you're not taking care of your nervous system, right? So 
I always say like, what's a baby step? So this happened with one of my clients the other day. Like she was really, I was like, oh, you should go do this. And she was just like, you know, like all of her fears just like (laughs) flooded. And I'm like, okay, so I can tell that your nervous system is not yet ready for that. You know, like, so let's just honor what is here and like, what's something smaller you could do, right? And it was like, okay, well, instead of doing the thing, why don't I, why don't I talk to people that are already doing that thing, right? Like, how can I gain some knowledge in like a more kind of safe and like less, you know, intensive way that is still helping me understand, am I going to like this? Like, is this going to align with myself? So on and so forth. So that's what I would say to that. Something that people can practice daily to just like start to tune in to themselves and know who they are is a five-minute practice, which is gratitude journaling. So I have used like the five-minute journal forever and it's life-changing, like life-changing for so many reasons. One, it's like how to build a habit, right? Like it's five minutes a day. Just like five minutes, right? And like, but the skill of habit building is insane because your life is just the accumulations of your habits. Everything about you today is because you have the habits that make you who you are today, right? And so if you can learn how to create new habits, well, you can create any life that you want. So habit building is and habit creation is like super, super important. So the five-minute journal, I think, is like a really easy place to start because it's one, five minutes. And two, the benefits of it are like so immediate that you're like, ooh, I really like this. This feels good. So you want to keep doing it. So for me, the five-minute journal is like, first and foremost, gratitude like literally fills your body with like hormones and like love. And it just immediately like changes the composition of your cells to feel love when you're expressing and writing gratitude. And the thing that I also took from it is like, I started to realize maybe after a month even, even after 30 days, You can go back and you can start seeing the pattern of what you continuously are grateful for and what you continuously say will make the day great. So that's like three things you're grateful for and three things that will make the day great. That's how you start in the morning. And so what I did was I started to like see the pattern, right? So what did I consistently say would make my day great? And there was clear patterns. It was like always about nature. It was always about movement. And it was always about connecting with people. Some days it was maybe a little bit more of a to-do list, but like the trend over time was always those three things. And it was like, holy shit, that is the recipe that makes me have a good day. So now I know, now I have like literal data, right? We all love data and knowledge and like proof. It's like easier for our brain to believe. So now you have data that shows you what makes you feel good? What do you value, right? What motivates you? And then you can structure your day intentionally in that way so that every day you can have a better day. Because I think that like, we all just kind of haphazardly go through our day. We do the things that we're responsible for and have to do and get paid for, but that doesn't mean that you feel good about them or like have a good day because of that, right? That was kind of what I saw. It was like the things that I did outside of my work (laughs) was the stuff that made me feel good, right? And so then now I have a life where my everyday is stuff that makes me feel good. You know, that's the next level. But I think the coolest part about this one habit and this one thing that anyone could do today, starting today, is that like, it's a habit builder. It'll make you feel good immediately. And you'll start to realize what your values are and what makes a great day. And you could just create it yourself. That's creation right there. Yeah. I'm an avid journaler for like six years at this point or seven years. So like, I fucking get it, dude. I get it. Like I actually, before I moved to Austin and like, cause my life has changed so dramatically in the past year, I had a whole day where I just laid in bed and I read every single journal that I had. And it's remarkable how much you change as a person. Like even how I would talk to myself, 
the words that I use to describe things, how I would handle problems has completely fucking changed. Completely. Like, I don't recognize who I was five years ago. I, that person is not me. I know. I I actually went through a journal from like eight years ago or something. And to be honest, I was kind of shocked. I was like, I knew this stuff eight years ago. I'm like, I was not practicing this. Like, I was like, it was very, what I wrote was like extremely wise, but not practiced. You know what I mean? So it was kind of interesting to see too, like what I knew to be true, but what I failed to practice. Yeah. So I'm wondering how, for my listeners, a lot of them, like 50% are still in corporate and they're like, God, I need to leave, but I can't. The other 50%, they've started businesses and they're like, holy shit, like now what? So I'm wondering, how do you actually leverage your imposter syndrome, whether you're like getting over the fear of leaving your job to start the business or the people who have to get over the imposter syndrome so that they can make the sales or show up on social media or even do the dirty work of like finding who they are? Yeah, I think the big thing is like, We have to separate ourselves from this belief that we've been conditioned to believe that we somehow need to prove something about ourselves. Like we somehow need to prove our worthiness, right? Because that's where imposter syndrome is coming from, like this belief that we're not good enough. And thus we need to prove that we're good enough, right? So we need to do things that people can see that could validate us and whatnot. And so I think that's kind of the first place to start is just like, you need to shift away from proving and you need to refocus your energy and your effort into impact. What is the actual impact that you want to be making in this world, right? Like, what do you give a fuck about in terms of like the world that you want to create? What world do you even want to live in, right? Because we can create any world we want, but when we're in the proving world, we're not trying to create anything. We're just trying to belong, you know, in the conditioned world that has existed in front of us, right? And even in that world, you can still, like, and if you're in corporate, you can still move away and divorce yourself from the proving and make it more about the impact, right? So what impact do you want to have on the people around you, on your family, on your friends, on your community, on yourself? Like, what is the actual impact that you want to have? So that, like, little shift from proving to impact, so important and so transformational because you know, you get away from like the metrics driven shit, right? Like how many likes did I get? Like how many, you know, these little things (laughs) because it doesn't fucking matter. Like if one person messages you to be like, wow, like, thank you so much for that post or whatever, like the change, the impact that you had on that person, like that's all that really should matter. Like that's why you should be doing anything that you're doing is because you hope that it can help someone, right? You hope that it can serve someone, right? And service is obviously like the most deeply profound thing that we can do as humans and it's the thing that fulfills us the most. But when we're stuck in the proving world, we can't even think about service because we're so stuck in our own shit and our own bullshit of like trying to prove that we're good enough that we're just like, I need to be better. This person can't be better than me. I need to be better than them. And it's like such a scarcity mindset as well. So... Like proving is scarcity and impact is abundance. You can have all the impact you want in the world, right? That like there's an abundance of impact that you can have. Proving is always comparison against someone else, something else, competition, comparing, comparing, comparing. And there's also never enough of that that will ever satisfy you, right? Because it's just, there's always another thing. There's always another thing, right? But one is like negatively driven and one is positively driven. So how do you shift from kind of this like negative energy focus into a positive energy focus of how you can make an impact? So that's kind of the really huge paradigm shift for people to start thinking about. And you can be incorporated and still think about the impact that you want to make. Like most great leaders 
obviously are there because they want to make an impact, not because they want to be the best leader and like have some award about being the last best leader. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there like that, that you don't want to work for, but, (laughs) but most leaders have gotten there because like, they really truly want to make an impact. Right. And so that's why I choose to work with leaders as well, because they've already kind of gotten to that place where like, oh yeah, I can make an impact. And now it's just about, okay, well, what, where do I want to make that impact, right? Like, what is the most meaningful impact that I can have? Like, sure, you're making an impact at this company selling this product, but maybe there's more meaningful impact that you really want to have on the world and not just, like, more people using CRM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just sometimes it can be hard because, like, I found originally that the thing that I wanted to do and the impact I wanted to have seemed either, A, too big, like, who the fuck am I? And number two seemed so outrageous. Like, again, who am I? Why should I do this? Like, there's so many other people in the world. The, everything's saturated. Like, why? You know? And then again, I like proved myself wrong and created what I did because I left corporate. But like, it's it's terrifying. Yeah. I think the other part is, is like, what's the alternative? You stay where you are and you're unhappy. It's like, you have to think about the alternative. You try the thing that you really love, really are like motivated by. And yeah, it might not work. but like. I'm pretty sure you're going to be happier that you tried that thing versus like staying somewhere that doesn't make you feel good or fulfill you, right? Oh, yeah. And you can always go back, which I found is like the nicest thing. So I'm like, girl, if business doesn't work, just go get a job. I'm like, okay, great. I have more skills now. They'll pay me more money. Oh, cool. my God. Yeah, for sure. But you're <laughs> going to be fine. You're not going to go back. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm golden at this point. But um, so I... I love this conversation. I think it's branched off in a lot of different conversations that stem from imposter syndrome, but I think it's important because at the root of imposter syndrome is just the fear of not being able to create what you want, which now we've proved that you can. But what I do for every single episode as like a final wrap-up kind of takeaway is to ask every guest, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Well, okay, my younger self was giving me advice in those journals, but (laughs) so the thing that I wrote in that journal was that I won the lottery of life. And it's funny because what's really creepy about that is that's actually a tattoo that I've been wanting to get since the first time I went to Costa Rica. There was like a, anyways, something that happened that those words really spoke to me. And then I looked back at my journal and I had written that like eight years ago. And I was like, so I think that's what I was trying to tell myself then and still trying to remind myself every day now, which is like, man, the fact that any of us are here, right? The fact that you got a ticket to earth is like one and. 400 trillion, the odds to like your mom and your dad and that sperm and this, you know, like literally it is actually a fucking miracle that any of us are here and we don't act like a miracle every day. Right. And we don't act like every day is a miracle. And we often think like, oh, there's more time, you know, there's more time to do these things. I don't need to think about having a good life now. I'll have a good life later. Like when I retire or when I do this, right. And it's just like, dude, today you won the lottery by waking up The fact that you woke up today, you won the lottery again. Every single day you've woken up, you've won the lottery again, right? And act like it. Act like you were a miracle. Act like you won the lottery, right? And I think if we all just had that mentality, I mean, we'd be a lot more creative. (laughs) We'd have a lot more creators in this world. And I think we'd just have a lot more peace and happiness and not taking ourselves so seriously. Yeah. I think we're moving in a better direction. But as we can all see in our very like explosive dumpster fire of a world right now, Shit is hitting the fan and it's coming to the surface. So Putin didn't get the memo on that one, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, this has been great. Um, I think we, like I said, stemmed in a lot of different directions, which is really helpful for people. Um, Where can people find you, Allie? 
Yeah, I am on LinkedIn five times a week at least creating content. So Ali Rosakos is my name on LinkedIn. And then also my website is where you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I just talk about weekly like stuff I'm still learning. So, you know, what we just talked about being a creator, like that's a huge topic and just about how to get out of your own way and how I keep continuously get out of my own way to create the life that I really want. So I have a, a newsletter about that and that's on my website, which is just www.alliatrazakos.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was great. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.